Hello, and welcome to this podcast. In case this is the first one that you are listening to, I'm going to give you a short introduction. I'm Cindy Pierce, and several years ago I started a Bible study about the women in the Bible. Each week was about one or two women, and I read their story out of the Bible and interjected some thoughts and facts about the story. Afterwards, I would recap the story and talk about some of her characteristics and how it could apply to us today. I really enjoyed doing that study, and I was so excited about it that some other women I worked with wanted to participate, and soon I was doing a home Bible study plus three others at different locations during lunch times. So with the encouragement of some of those ladies, I've been recording the lessons and putting them on this podcast. I'm using the same format for the podcast. I read through the story right out of the Bible. I use the New American Standard because that's what I grew up reading. Then I talk a little bit about the story as I go. And one of the things I loved about doing this study is that God's Word says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So I believe that as you listen or study along, that God will speak to your heart. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I have. I had completed 10 episodes and kind of thought that I was finished. And I had ended with one of my favorite stories. Um, But I have several more. And I'm going to add them here as I record them. So this one is the story of the widow of Zarephath. And it's a little bit out of order because it happened in the Bible before the story of the Shunammite woman, and I have already recorded that. So you can go listen to that on on the list of recordings. But we're going to back up to 1 Kings 16 um, and start with a little background on what's happening in Israel for this story. So in 1 Kings 16, 29, Ahab, the son of Omri, has become king over Israel. And it says in verse 30 that Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So um, Ahab has come onto the picture. He is an evil king. And he has, um, I think that because he was so bad, that this brought on um, the prophet Elijah for the first time in 1 Kings 17. So in 1 Kings 17, 1, The Lord sends Elijah as a prophet to Ahab. This is the first time that he's mentioned. And it says in verse 1, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here, turn eastward, eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did, according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. 
Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a, a widow there to provide for you. So interesting, uh, first time Elijah's mentioned, he gives the king the prophecy about the rain and the famine coming, and then God provides for him by sending ravens um, to bring him meat and bread in the morning and evening, which is interesting because the ravens were an unclean animal. Um, they were not, the Israelites were not allowed to eat them because they were unclean, but God can use anything to provide for us. And in this case, he uses the ravens to bring food to Elijah. And then he tells him to move, and he is immediately obedient both times. He gets up in verse 10. He arose and went to Zarephath. Um, and Zarephath is interesting because it is in the country of Sidon, and that is where Jezebel, the evil queen, um, was from. That was her country. So he's leaving Israel, and he's going um, over to Zarephath. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So widows in that time period had very few resources. Um, they were the lowest of the socioeconomic class, and her son was obviously not of an age where he could help her with work or to provide for her, so she was preparing for them to die. Um, and notice also that she says, as the Lord your God lives. So she recognizes him as a, as a man of God, as coming from Israel, I suppose, but she doesn't, she refers to his God. So in verse 13, Elijah says to her, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. And he says in verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So he says, do not fear, which I love because what's always um, interesting in the verses of the Bible that say, do not fear. God knows that fear is an emotion that we face and go through. And yet he um, calms her first and says, don't be afraid of, of that. I'm sure she's fearful about preparing the last meal and dying and how she's going to do that. But he tells her to not be afraid. And then it appears that Elijah is asking her to give up her last sustenance. But he was actually asking her to be obedient and provide sustenance for them both. Um, and I, this is interesting to me because it's sort of a test of her faith. Will you go, notice he says first, go make my bread cake first and afterward you may make one for yourself and your son. So it's sort of a test of her faith. And then also I think of it kind of as a tithe because he's saying if you'll give to the Lord, if you'll give first and then and then he'll provide the rest um, and then you know it's not completely like why would I do that he explains to her that God has said that if she does it that he'll provide for the rest of the famine so in verse 15 it says so she went and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days 
the first part of that says she went and did according to the word of Elijah. It was quick obedience. And I want that to be my sentence. I want um, it to be said that she, that I, went and did according to the Lord, um, the word of the Lord. And so the only way, let's obey God's word and let's obey it quickly. But to obey it, you have to know it. And there's so many verses in the Bible that tell us what to do. He tells us to trust in the Lord and do good. He tells us to be kind to one another. He tells us to do all things without grumbling or complaining. There's so many verses in the Bible that give us instruction of what to do. So let us be women that obey God quickly. Let us be women of whom it can be said, she went and did according to the word of, of the Lord. So um, because of that, God provided a miracle. And notice that she and he and her household ate for many days. So Elijah stayed with them and God provided for him a second time here um, while he's staying with them. The first time was with the ravens and now he's staying with them and um, being provided for by a widow who essentially had nothing. So God is proving to Elijah that he can use anything to take care of him. Um, and so the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now in verse 17, it says, It came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. So that phrase is interesting. So her son has died. And that phrase is interesting. What do I have to do with you? It's mentioned actually several times in the Bible. And I, the, there's other phrases that um, that's like. So it could be said like, what have you done to me? Or what do you have against me? Um, how have I injured or offended you? Um, did you come here? Why did you come here if this was going to be the result? Why have you not left me in peace? So all those phrases are sort of what she was saying wrapped up in that one sentence. What do I have to do with you? So she has a she has a troubled mind at this point of why is this happening to me? And you know, we go through things like that of, of why, why, what's happening. And that was kind of her why. Um, that phrase is also said several other times in the Bible. And it's typically said when someone is not happy with the fact that a person is still there. It's sort of a way of what are you doing here? Leave. So um, she was she was obviously frustrated at this point. And notice the second part of the verse because she thought that it was punishment for her sin. Um, why have you come to bring my iniquity to remembrance to put my son to death? So Elijah um, is actually um, frustrated, a little frustrated at this point too. And he says, give me your son. And he took him from her and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. And he called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I'm staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. So the actions that he takes here are very similar to the actions that Elisha took in the story of the Shunammite woman. Um, he takes him up to the upper room where obviously he was living because it's his own bed. And he stretches himself on the child and calls out to the Lord. And just a simple prayer, 
Let this child's life return to him. And I love verse 22 because it says, The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. I love that he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God. He, um, he had a relationship with God. And then I love that verse 22 starts with, The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, because there's so many places in the Bible that it talks about that God hears our voice when we call. It says, ask and you shall receive. It says, seek me and you shall find me. Um, and so when we pray, when we cry out to God, that he, we are, we are promised that he hears our voice. And because of that, the second part of the verse, the life of the child returned to him and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son is alive. Um, and so it, the son has been saved twice now, once with food at the beginning when God provided food for his mother and, and himself, and then now brought back to life, which is no small miracle. Like there are not a lot of resurrections in the Old Testament, but you know, this is one of them. And what an amazing story for Elijah to be able to pray and God just to restore the life of that child. So verse 24 says, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of God in your mouth is truth. And I love that part because she says, Now I know. And that knowing that part that she where she says, I know, is that word, nobody can take that away from her. She knows that she knows that that first of all Elijah was a man of God but also the, that the word of the Lord was truth and when that happens in our lives when we when God answers something for you when God walks with you through a trial or a difficulty in your life and you come through on the other side that knowing is something no one can take from you there's a verse in the New Testament that says for I know that nothing can keep me from the love of God neither death nor life and that know that verse is the same knowing that that God is with you that God is for you um, when he walks with you through something then you you know that that testimony is yours and that, and that no one can take that from you so this would be I, I love that that's the last verse in Kings of her story but there are two other mentions of her um, and I mentioned this in the story of the Shunammite woman because if we go to Hebrews um, 11, which is the faith chapter and talks about um, all the the things that happen to people by faith. If we drop down to verses, I think around 33, 34, let me start there. It says, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Verse 35 says, women received back their dead by resurrection so they're both those both of these women the uh, widow of Zarephath and the um, Shunammite woman are mentioned here in Hebrews because they both received back their dead by resurrection and um, notice that this widow is also not named we don't know her name but you know what God knew her name he knew exactly where she was he knew exactly what she needed the timing is amazing because he knows um, exactly what time she was going to uh, prepare that last meal and he had Elijah show up and leave the place where he was being fed and taken care of 
and show up right on time because God's always right on time. And then she's also mentioned by Jesus in Luke 4, 24. So if we go over to Luke 4, it says, And he, Jesus, said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. So he's talking about the fact that the people in his hometown don't recognize him for being the son of God, and therefore he cannot, they don't have any faith and he can't do much. So now he talks about the faith of some people in the Old Testament. And verse 25 says, But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. So she is literally mentioned by Jesus in Luke 4. Um, her story is retold, and I love when the New Testament reminds us of stories in the Old Testament and when they're tied together like that. So her story, even though we don't know her name, Jesus knew her, and he mentions her again as having faith and, and that Elijah was able to do a miracle for her. Um, so that is the end of the story of the widow of Zarephath. So let me just um, mention a couple of things as I usually do at the end of things to be grateful uh, to God for and to praise him for and then some things to confess and ask of him. So um, something to praise him for, um, his constant attentiveness. Like God knows you, he knows where you are, he knows what your situations are is and he is constantly attentive to that and looking for ways to bring miracles to our lives um, to give thanks for all the ways that God has provided for you and will continue to he's if you stop and take a minute to think about the things that he's already done for you and that he's faithful to do that um, going forward as well and then to confess any tendency that we have to act as though God doesn't care about what's happening to us because he does care about us. He says in the New Testament, he cares about every hair on our head and he cares about the birds of the field and he, he cares about the details of your life. And then lastly, to ask. And um, I just think to ask God to make me a woman who relies on him daily for physical, emotional, and spiritual needs because he wants to meet all of those. And then also to make me a woman who does according to his word quickly, who is quickly obedient when I hear him or know things that he asks um, of me or asks for me to do, that I would be quickly obedient to that. So that is the story of the widow of Zarephath. Thank you for listening, and I will um, be posting additional stories here.